I was on duty as a park ranger at the state park near Augusta, Georgia, when I got a call from a driver who reported hitting something on the road. It was around 3 a.m., and I could hear the panic in his voice as he asked for help with filing an accident report. I did my best to calm him down and provide him with the necessary information. Later that day, the driver called back, still in disbelief. He said the damage to his vehicle was much bigger than what a deer could cause, but there was no blood, markings, or body to be found. He ruled out the possibility of it being a car or a rock, and he thought it might have been a mountain lion, although it was smaller than a full-grown deer. I consulted with my colleagues, and we were all puzzled by the incident. We were familiar with the wildlife in the area, and we had never seen any animal that could cause such damage without leaving any evidence behind. We even went out to the area to investigate, but we found nothing. The official police report listed the incident as a deer collision, and the insurance company also agreed with that assessment. However, the driver was adamant that it was not a deer. Sadly, the driver passed away two years later, and the mystery of what he hid on that road remained unsolved. As a park ranger, I am used to dealing with all kinds of wildlife, but this incident still puzzles me to this day. What could have caused that much damage without leaving any evidence behind? It's a mystery that may never be solved. For 30 long years, I've kept a secret that's haunted me. A secret so terrifying that I stopped going into the woods entirely. I've chosen to remain anonymous, but recent events have compelled me to finally share the harrowing experience that led me to avoid the Tennessee wilderness. It's a tale of fear, survival, and a brush with the unknown that changed my life forever. Three decades ago, I decided to spend a day hiking in the Smoky Mountains. I packed light, hiked a couple of miles into the woods, and set up camp with my two loyal canine companions. It was a perfect day, filled with exploration and the beauty of nature. As late afternoon arrived, I prepared to settle down and start a fire to warm up the campsite. However, my dog seemed unusually agitated, barking and growling at something in the distance. Although they had always managed to keep bears away before, I couldn't help but feel a twinge of concern. As night began to fall, I left the tent door open to enjoy the warm summer air. I settled in for the night with my dogs nestled close. Suddenly, I awoke to the bright moonlight illuminating the campsite and my dogs growling deeply. I then heard a strange, thrumming groan coming from outside the tent. As my eyes adjusted to the darkness, I could see a dark outline that resembled the shape of a bear, lurking just beyond the now cold embers of the campfire. I shouted at the figure, and to my surprise, it went quiet, but then began to grow until it towered over the tent's screen window. It was massive, unlike anything I had ever encountered outside of a zoo. My dogs continued to growl, their instincts telling them that this creature was not to be trusted. The creature inhaled a long, slow breath before letting out a trumpeting call that sounded like a mix of a lion's roar and a human shout. My dogs went silent, and the creature bolted away. Ignoring my commands, they pursued the creature into the darkness. Panicked, I grabbed my rifle and headlamp and followed them. I could hear their barking in the distance, but they moved too quickly for me to catch up. 
Then I heard a maniacal laughing sound like a hyena coming from the same direction as my dogs. My dread grew, but I persisted, hoping to find them safe. As the night wore on and the barking faded, I knew I had to return to camp or risk becoming lost myself. I spent the night waiting, calling for my dogs occasionally, but they never returned. At dawn, I resumed my search, and hours later, I found one of them badly injured and whimpering in a thicket, the other torn to pieces. The loss of my dog's life hit me hard, and my surviving companion became fearful of both the night and the woods. I knew I had encountered something far worse than any bear or known predator that night. While checking a barbed wire enclosed spring, used to water cattle, I saw in the mud, within the barbed wire, a very large footprint. It was larger than my hand span wide and from my elbow to the tops of my second knuckles long. I am six feet tall. I collected tufts of black hair, which I still have. I turned around carefully checking my surroundings. The pines were wide, tall and dense. There was pine duff on the ground and quite old and deep. I took off my shoe and placed it alongside a footprint in the duff, as it was not safe inside the spring to do so. The print extended well beyond my size 11. I was looking at a track of something very large in height and weight. I placed my weight near the track in the pine duff to judge how much the maker of the track weighed. My guess was somewhere around 425 to 450 pounds after I compared the two. My 240 pounds made an impression only half as deep, and there was more duff beneath the track so it was a very good guess. As to the height of the thing my best guess judging from the span of a non-hurrying stride, a normal step, was 7 feet 7 half feet tall. It took two of my normal walking strides to cover just one of its steps, from the right foot to the left foot imprint. I tracked it until I felt uncomfortable about going any higher up in elevation, and because of the density of undergrowth. This occurred during the dry season, and this was accessible water for it. I thought it wise to return to my uncle's home with his two young children, ages eleven and eight. On this east side of the Warners, the sun sets early even on a summer afternoon. Although I did not see it, I know they are out there. As to the exact location, I wish that to be kept confidential, because my family do not wish the land to be overrun by flatland trackers. The moonless night hung heavily over us as we descended from the sky, our parachutes guiding us towards the heart of enemy territory. The mission was clear. Disrupt the enemy's sinister plan to unleash a devastating cyber attack upon our own nation. Our team of Green Berets, a brotherhood bound by purpose and unyielding determination, braced ourselves for the treacherous journey that awaited us. Our boots hit the ground with a muffled thud, and the tension in the air was palpable. We were deep in unknown territory, surrounded by the unknown. We had to adapt, to survive, and to succeed. The hostile landscape seemed to echo our defiance, a seemingly impenetrable forest that concealed secrets as ancient as time itself. As we pressed forward, our senses on high alert, a primal unease settled over us. It was during one of these tense moments that I saw a dark figure, large and ominous, walking upright towards me. 
I instinctively turned and sought refuge behind a nearby tree, my heart hammering in my chest. When I dared to glance back, the creature was disturbingly close, its presence a shadowy enigma against the night. It stood shorter than I, a looming mass of darkness with an eerie lack of visible neck. My breath caught as I realized I couldn't discern its eyes, couldn't fathom the intentions lurking within its mysterious form. It paused beside the very tree I was using for cover, a chilling realization settling over me the creature was not only aware of our presence, but had also zeroed in on me. My heart raced as it raised its head, an uncanny movement that brought its nose to the air, sniffing as if sensing something beyond the reach of human comprehension. I was frozen in fear, my limbs refusing to obey my desperate commands to move. The moment hung in suspended terror, a breathless encounter with a being that defied all rational explanation. It was a creature of nightmares, born from the depths of the woods that harbored untold mysteries. The spell was shattered as the creature lunged, its attack swift and aggressive. The air filled with a thunderous roar of gunfire as my team reacted with the precision honed through countless hours of training. Bullets ripped through the darkness, striking the creature and forcing it to retreat into the shadows from whence it emerged. With the immediate threat subdued, we regrouped and pressed on with our mission. Yet that encounter lingered in our minds, a puzzle piece in a larger enigma we were trying to solve. As we navigated the hostile territory, infiltrated the enemy's high-security facility, and fought to disrupt their nefarious cyber-attack plans, we couldn't shake the memory of that cryptic creature. We completed the mission, victorious in our efforts to protect our country. But even as we celebrated, the question remained what had we encountered in the depths of that remote forest? What ancient secret had brushed against the edge of our reality that night? As we returned home, our mission accomplished, but our minds still haunted by the unknown. We understood that even in the midst of our most strategic victories, there are forces beyond our comprehension that lurk just beyond the veil of understanding. And though we would never have all the answers, we were resolute in our duty to face the darkness and protect our world from whatever mysteries it might hold. About eight years ago, I was on a backpacking trip in the western Sierras in central California above Huntington Lake with a group of five guys from the Bowhunters League. I was running at the archery shop I worked at. We had packed in the first day about nine miles to our first camp and had no issues. We had archery gear and had tags for deer and bears. When we woke up the next morning, we hiked to a small high country lake to refill the water and head up above tree line to glass for deer. We were about a half mile from the lake and we heard what sounded like a limb snapping off a tree. We all joked about Bigfoot and carried on. The lake was in a big bowl surrounded by thick timber. As we were filling up our camelbacks and Nalgene's all four of us heard the same sound we heard on our way to the lake. It was five consecutive tree knocks from five different locations around the bowl. We finished filling up our water and got the hell out of there. We stayed another night without incident and headed home when one of the guys had a sleeping bag. Break in nighttime temps in the high thirties. On our way to the trailhead, the first day we stopped in Shaver Lake, and the area has had sightings in the past. Once you spend enough time out away from civilization, you see, 
and hear things that are not simply explained. I have had a few other experiences with strange lights and apparitions on separate occasions. I believe in most of it, but I don't let it take up too much real estate in my head. There's a trail I love to hike and camp. When I was about 19 in the early 2000s some friends and I went to camp there. We decided to walk off the trail and explore. We hike directly up the mountain and it flattens out into a bald spot before continuing. We're walking around it and feeling kinda weird. Then my buddy sees a horse leg at the edge of the clearing. Another at another part of the clearing. We eventually find its other legs and head, its fur still intact. It didn't even smell. There was a fire pit in the middle of the clearing. We freaked out because rituals. A year later, I'm with my mom and brother hiking or camping. We decided to hike in late. It's dark. We're pretty fat back, same area but stayed on the trail. This old dude appears with a dog that's super well behaved. No flashlight, no shoes. Dog has no leash. The guy has an eye missing, so it's just creepy. He's acting super nice and says he walks out here all the time. I didn't sleep at all. We hiked off the trail and made camp far away. I thought he was going to kill us. Another time I was awoken early while sleeping near that trail by cracking sounds and heave breathing near the campsite. When I finally got the balls to get up. There were claw marks and bite marks on a couple trees 50 feet from camp. I was 10 years of age when this incident occurred. I and my family were living in an apartment complex at the time in Dunwoody, Georgia. I was walking with my mother to the bus stop. Suddenly, about 5 to 10 feet away there was an apartment building about 15 to 20 feet being them to the right side of my mother and me. There were what seemed to be two or three of these humanoid beings which were covered in what seemed to be white robes and emitting bright light around their bodies. This bright light is what probably caught my attention in the first place. I pointed to them and asked my mother what those people were, something along those lines. My mother remembered me asking her this, but she did not see anything. She told me she just felt a very strong presence. The fact that she was there with me and remembers me asking her these questions is proof to me that it was not a hallucination or dream. One of these beings was standing in front of the other one or two beings behind it. I cannot remember the appearance of the beings in the back, but I could clearly see the face of the one standing in front. It seemed very human-like youthful. It had curly hair and a blank stare until it noticed that I was looking at it, and then its eyes widened as if it was surprised that I had noticed it observing us. I was not supposed to be able to see them once I and the being in front made eye contact. Everything on their upper torso was white with a grey tone kind of mixture, including their faces. They were almost transparent like one would imagine a typical ghostly figure to be. I mentioned only upper torso because I don't recall them having any hands or legs, including feet. They also seemed to be floating because of this. I turned my head for one second and then quickly back, but as I did, I remember seeing them sort of float or hover away back down some stairs that were in the vicinity. I lost sight after that. These beings seemed to be conscious of some sort aware of their surroundings, and did not want to be seen by me or anyone else, 
but they did seem to be there for a reason. I do not remember anything before or after this event, but my mother told me it started off as a normal day, and after I got back from school she told me I asked her again about the beings. I have sketches that I have drawn but can't find them at the moment. When I do, I will be sure to send them if needed. In the meantime, if you have any useful information that I could use about what on earth I saw that day, please send me anything as this has been on my mind ever since my early teens. I am now in my mid-twenties, and although I have had a few unexplained occurrences throughout my life, none of which were as vivid as this was, I have not seen anything on that level like that since. I came out the woods after dark from deer hunting several years ago, and when I got to my Bronco the battery was dead, and no way to jump start it plus I had driven through the backside of a two-year-old clear cut and was in the middle of nowhere. The woods were lit up with noise as I walk out the clear cut back to the old logging road I had drove in on. When I hit the old logging road everything went silent. I had left my bow in my Bronco knowing I had an eight-mile walk back to the camp. I think that was the fastest I had ever walked in my life. The feeling of being watched and followed was something that still gives me the chills to this day. It was a cold, crisp winter morning, and I had decided to spend the day snowshoeing deep into the forest. The untouched snow blanketed the landscape, creating an eerily quiet and serene atmosphere. I reveled in the solitude, the crunch of my snowshoes on the fresh powder, the only sound breaking the silence. As I ventured further into the wilderness, I stumbled upon a small clearing. To my amazement, words were etched into the snow in the center of the clearing. Per audacia ad ignotum. I scanned the area, expecting to see footprints or some other sign of human presence, but the snow was undisturbed, as if the words had appeared by magic. My curiosity peaked. I took out my phone and searched for the meaning of the phrase. The closest translation I could find was, through audacity towards the unknown. It sent a shiver down my spine, as if the words were a message meant just for me. I continued my hike, the phrase echoing in my mind. As I navigated the unfamiliar terrain, I realized that the words were pushing me to venture further into the unknown, to embrace the challenge of discovery. I felt a renewed sense of determination, an audacious spirit urging me to explore uncharted territory. The deeper I ventured into the woods, the more I discovered. I found a hidden waterfall, its icy waters cascading over frozen rocks. I stumbled upon an abandoned cabin, its time-worn walls whispering tales of bygone days. The words in the snow had inspired me to embrace the unknown and I was rewarded with the beauty and wonder of the forest. As the sun began to set, I reluctantly turned back, making my way through the snowy landscape toward home. The words, per audacia ad ignotum, stayed with me, a reminder of the day's adventures and the thrill of stepping into the unknown. When I finally returned to the clearing where I had first encountered the message, the snow had begun to fall, gently erasing the words from the pristine surface. I felt a sense of gratitude for having been the one to discover them, and for the impact they had on my day. As I made my way home through the darkening forest, I realized that life is full of unexpected messages and hidden beauty. 
waiting to be discovered by those willing to venture into the unknown with audacity and courage. I drove south on Pine Grove Road and pulled into a spot near Laurel Lake, parked my truck, and got out. I hiked into the nearest woods along an unmarked trail. I carry a rather large revolver in a shoulder holster for self-defense. As I was about to sit down on a stump, I unzipped my coat and placed my hand in my gun to check it as it felt shifted. The second I put my hand on it, all hell broke loose. There was a loud crashing sound of branches breaking and something heavy hit the ground. I turned and lost my footing and fell to the ground. As I lay there, something ran past me. I not only heard it, I could feel it in the ground. Leaves were falling all around me. I got to my feet looking all around, but there was nothing I could see and I quickly left. I hiked back to the parking lot, jumped in my truck, and moved to a different place in the park near Fuller Lake. I went to a picnic table and sat down trying to figure out what just happened. It was about two hours later when as I'm sitting there thinking, I heard the sound of about five or six large trees breaking in half and then a splash in the water. I cannot emphasize enough how loud this was. It sounded like a Mack truck crashing through the woods and into the lake next to me. I jumped up looking around and there was nothing. There were three people around me and no one reacted not even a dog nearby. I was the only one that heard it. From what I have recently read, these things can read your mind and project thoughts and images and sounds to you. Thinking back on it, I believe when I put my hand on my gun, something jumped out of that tree and ran like hell, and as strange as it sounds, it was invisible. Then it followed me and projected a sound to scare me back. The main reason I believe it was a Sasquatch is that there are tree bends and branch formations in many parts of the park. All of them are perfectly aligned to the north and south. People may never report them there, but I think they are very much there. Had an experience a few years back that wasn't creepy to me. Who knew what I was hearing, but it was for the rookie co-worker hiking with me. We got off work at 6 p.m., drove a couple hours out to a trailhead and started hiking up the mountain in the pitch dark, so we'd be in position to hopefully find a buck in the morning. As we're about a half mile in there's this long, low call followed by some grunts that starts coming from just below us on the hill. I see my buddy start looking around him nervous as hell cause he has no idea what he's hearing and hasn't spent much time in the woods so hiking in the dark already has him on edge. He keeps walking, but I know he's got visions of Sasquatch snagging him up running through his head with every step. I let him wallow in his discomfort for a minute more as we kept going and the sound started coming up the hill towards us. About the time we hit the next switchback, I finally asked if he knew what it was. He was slightly relieved I was hearing it too, but said no. I chuckled at this point and told him it was just a cow moose. I had seen in the headlights just before we parked. She had been wallowing around in a spring at the base of the hill munching on aquatic veg and must have got her fill because she was working back up the hill to darker timber. The rest of the hike was quiet and unfortunately we didn't turn up a buck on that trip. I live alone in the woods 15 minutes from my town. 
My neighbors are near, but not right next door. One summer morning I woke around 4.30 a.m. to a strange, pounding sound. It was still kind of dusky dawn lighting, and I was in a daze from just waking up. Then I started to hear a man's voice yelling, Somebody help me. I began to look out my windows to see if I could see anyone but couldn't from upstairs. My home has no window coverings on any windows. I went downstairs and caught a glimpse of him, naked with a thin t-shirt on, running around my house trying to jiggle windows and doors. He was very erratic, kept screaming for someone to help him, and kept running from door to window all around trying to find a way in. In any normal situation, I would gladly help someone in need. But this situation felt too unpredictable and dangerous for me to allow this person into my home. I was able to contact my neighbors who got my message and quickly made their way over to help me. This is faster than any police that can get here. The guy ran away straight into the trees before they arrived. He was picked up by RCMP shortly after. No idea what happened there. It was a late summer afternoon in 2017. My husband and I were sitting on our sun porch. It's a side porch that looks out over a driveway and towards our neighbor's property where he has a humongous pine tree. My husband asked me, do you see what I see? It just so happened that I did. He never described what he was looking at but pointed in following that. I saw a creature like that in the movie Predator. It was transparent, kneeling and looking at us from a perch high up in the tree. You could only see an outline when it moved. It appeared weightless because it was up so high in the tree. Those branches couldn't hold much weight. It was just staring at us, and when it realized that we saw it, it went behind the main body of the tree and disappeared. This was the first time my husband is seeing anything with me, and so it changed his whole perspective. Of course, he is more open-minded and not too quick to dispute when I share things I've seen now. He is ex-military and has been all over the world. But this was at home where he saw something that couldn't be explained. We both saw it without a doubt. Those semi-invisible beings, I don't know for certain what they are. We both have theories. What I know for certain is that they look like the cloaked alien in the movie Predator when it was in transparent or invisible mode. It had a lizard-shaped head. While camping and hiking in the Idaho wilderness area in 1972, I luckily had a handgun, and that may have been the only thing that saved me throughout the whole ordeal. I had the uncanny sense that I was being watched and being followed always trust your inner voice. I got a good look at him, and he was nasty and very unkempt man just like Deliverance, and no it was not Bigfoot if fired off a couple of shots just to let the creep know I was armed. The nonsense abruptly stopped. I later reported the incident to a forest ranger, and he said that they had heard about this crazy guy stalking other hikers. Something woke me up at 4.10 a.m., while I was in the sleeper of my rig. I know the date perfectly because it was my birthday. I got out of my truck and this thing let out a high-pitched whooping yell that echoed throughout the forest. I was standing there in was trying to figure out what it was, saying to myself that's not a cougar, 
and not an elk, nor an owl, or a coyote, or a wolf. When it dawned on me on what it could be, it scared the bejesus out of me. It's the same as the sound on your Klamath Screams audio, and what I heard on the Discovery Chanel. I again heard the same sound in Klamath Kali just south of the Trees of Mystery, where they have the Paul Bunyan and Babe statues. We were staying in some cabins there. Both my son and I heard it around 10 a.m. while we were hiking. It was way off in the distance and dogs started barking right after we heard it. It screamed twice. This time I thought it was kind of cool to hear it again, and my son thought likewise because I had him listen the recording on the internet. When I was younger, we were at my older brother's birthday party at one of our state parks. Where we were at there was a little R with some benches. Beside it, there was a decent-sized playground. Off to the side, there is a trail that leads down to the lake. This is where my sighting happened. I walked away from everybody to the start of the trail. I was maybe a 100 yards away from everyone. I made it down the trail about 50 feet and I see a something coming barrowing up the hill. At first I, though it was a bear running up the hill, because it was on all fours. It got on to the middle of the trail and stood up up on two legs. I thought maybe a bear because they are known to stand up on two legs. I look up at the face, and that's when I realized it was not a bear. It was there for maybe ten seconds before it turned around and ran down the hill. That's is the only time I have ever seen one and am not sure if I want to see another. This story happened a few months ago. At that time, I had moved out of my house for a professional reason, but I had to wait a couple of months before moving into my next house. To spend this time span, and since I can work from anywhere, I rented my very close friend Amy's holiday family house which is otherwise empty, located in a village I grew up in the countryside. I know this family and their house very well since I am a small child. The house is rather large. It has two floors and five bedrooms. It is located in a quiet, or even remote, area of the village, only surrounded by forest and other empty holiday houses. While planning this, I was aware this setting could be scary being a single 27 female but I hate to restrain myself in life because of unjustified fears, so I instead took a few measures to feel more safe. Before moving in, I had planned to go on a complete checkup of all the doors and windows. Once done, I would look into every room, under every bed, and inside all the wardrobes. This way, I could be certain that the house was perfectly empty at that moment, and would stay so, as I will be very careful with closing doors and I knew there were no spare keys, so that when at night I would be scared, I could reason with myself and know that it is only in my head. I was accompanied by my mother to proceed to the checkup, as she lives close by. We faced a problem rather quickly while verifying doors and windows. Two glass doors from the patio were malfunctioning, and one could just slide them open. The layout of the two doors was the following. One was looking towards the garden, the second one was between the patio and the rest of the house. This meant someone could not only get inside the patio from outside, but also in the rest of the house. After this discovery, I called my friend Amy, and we agreed I would find a locksmith. Amy's family's financial situation isn't at its peak, so depending on the price, 
Either only the door leading to the garden, either both doors would get fixed. But the price was reasonable, thus the locksmith lady could change both locks. The patio was then perfectly sealed. However, according to her, the glass door leading to the garden was weak and one could easily open it, if motivated. But since the glass door between the patio and the rest of the house was safe, I did not mind that remark. One could have as much fun as they pleased in that patio as long as I was safe in my house. After that and a successful second checkup, I was happy to move in. The first days were a bit scary, but since I was careful with doors and the house's surroundings were so peaceful and lovely, it quickly became bliss to live there. I was heating myself with the fireplace, eating good food, breathing fresh air. I felt very free and happy. Only I had to notice a small odd detail in the very first day. A third glass door was not locking anymore. I got very surprised since I checked so carefully every single door during my checkup. This third door was right next to the one I got repaired, between the patio and the house. So this meant that the patio was not perfectly sealed anymore, but fine I thought, all the doors leading to the outside were still locked, so no need to worry. I quickly moved on since I felt so happy there. I did not want any useless fear to bother me. I came to the conclusion I must have missed it, and I was a bit ashamed that I got Amy's family to spend money on two locks, whereas it should have been three because of my carelessness. After two wonderful months living a dream, mostly on my own, since all my childhood friends moved out from the village, a friend came to visit me. We spent some time outside and we had a drink at my place before I drove him back to his village, about an hour away. While we were leaving my house, he even emphasized how meticulous I was with closing all the shutters behind ourselves. I told him it was key for me to feel so good in there. I was back home at around 10 p.m. I entered my perfectly sealed house and locked the door behind myself. While turning the key out of the blue, sudden and intense goosebumps ran all over my scalp. I had never experienced such a feeling, and I was not even aware that the human body could get goosebumps onto the scalp. With that came a very instinctive feeling of danger and being on my guard. I felt all of this so intensely that I was not able to not ignore it, yet I knew that my house was kept perfectly closed, so I stayed cautious, but I walked through the entrance and came into the kitchen. Here on the floor was laying a rectangular plastic bag. It was small and blue on the orange floor. I was surprised I recognized it being a plastic bag to be filled with water to make ice cubes. It had nothing to do here. I had already seen these bags earlier, once I was looking for freezer bags to put my food and I mistook them. I knew they were stored in a drawer at the very other side of the kitchen and I knew we did not use them, nor anything from that drawer with my friend earlier. This uncanny discovery confirmed my gut feeling, and I began to feel very uneasy. I sent a picture to my friend asking if he had touched or used these. He said, No, keep me in touch. I grabbed a knife and I started walking in the living room. Usually, whenever I would feel afraid in this house, I would go on a little checkup tour in every room to reassure myself. That is what I had in mind at that moment but this gut feeling was literally forbidding my body to do so. Instead, it walked me out of the house. I drove to my mother's place and slept there. 
few days after, during a sunny afternoon, my mother and I came back and did a checkup thoroughly. Nothing was missing, nor broken, and no one was there. Everything stayed exactly as I had left it. With such evidence, I came to the conclusion it must have been my friend who, by accident, took those bags and forgot about it. Then they must have fallen on the floor while I opened the door, or something like that. I came back in and kept living a dream in this beautiful place for another month after that. Then, something else happened. For a few days, I had been hearing unusual noises which began to scare me, so I decided it was time for a checkup. It was around 9 p.m. I began going in every room, looking under every bed. Downstairs, all clear. I walked upstairs, opened the first bedroom and surprise, the light was on. This caused me a small flinch. I never go to these rooms upstairs, and they remain closed all the time. Nevertheless, I walk towards the wardrobe, but before opening it, I get a second flinch as an unknown object is now laying on top of the furniture. I open nobody I close, and I look at the object. It is an elongated black fabric sheath, rather big, with a hook to carry it on a belt. A terrifying idea crosses my mind that it may be a knife sheath, but I brush it off, as I don't need my imagination to get crazy in such a situation. I finished my checkup, but despite nobody being found, I could not help but feeling weird about the sheath and the light. I went to sleep at my mother's place that night, too. The day after, I checked with my friend Amy. No family member came into the house while I was away, nor they recognized this object as belonging to any of them. I dropped it at the police station and according to them, it is likely a hunting knife sheath indeed. Then I started thinking again at this patio's third door. It had been coming in my mind for some weeks, but I had been dismissing the idea to avoid unnecessary fear. Reflecting back at my thorough entrance checkup, it is very unlikely that I would have missed a door. As well, the locksmith had changed the lock of the door right next to this one, and even stared at it, to see how a well-functioning lock looked like. With Amy, we had first imagined that an old Airbnb tenant could have made a copy of the keys and the locks had to be changed. But more and more I was sure the person was coming in the house from the patio. Another locksmith came and looked at the third door's lock, she said. Ah, yes indeed. The lock part screwed on the door frame, where the lock embeds itself, had been screwed off. She also checked the door leading to the garden her colleague had pointed out as easy to open. She said, Ah yes, that's obvious. I left the house for good after that. I believe a person had their little habits in this house, using the way I shut when I arrived, and they made sure to be able to reach inside the place despite my changes. Thinking that all this time I was living my life peacefully, reasoning with myself not to be scared, that the place was safe and locked, it actually was not.